Welcome to another Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. It is a beautiful day for jazz, don't you agree? And it's a special treat. One of our favorites today's educator is none other than Professor Brandon Robertson. And the topic is two, five, one, progression, part two. So if you missed part one, then you have to go back in the archives and check out that session because I know it was amazing. Whether you're a beginner musician or you're a seasoned musician, you can always learn something um, from these sessions. And the great professor, he's blessed us with plenty of these sessions. But um, we hope you enjoyed today. And don't forget, you can go to our website, www.clearwaterjazz.com education. And you could check out all of these free sessions. And we would love to get your feedback on it. You can email us at info at clearwaterjazz.com. Uh, but before we jump into it, we do want to thank our sponsors. Um, so please be sure to check out the studio archive of past sessions. And that's brought to you by our friends over there, Blue Water Wealth Management and Stewart Partners. Um, and Duke Energy as well. Uh, for the Young Lions podcast, wherever you stream. And um, mm -hmm. that's brought to us by our friends over there at Marine Max Clearwater. And just search, uh, you could type in Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions, and you can do that wherever you stream. So just a quick introduction. I know you've seen this, this awesome, awesome musician and professor and educator all over. But it, just in case you don't know, I want to introduce <laughs> you to my friend. Professor Brandon Robinson. He is an Emmy-nominated music director, professional upright electric bassist, composer, and music educator, originally from none other than Tampa, Florida. He completed his Bachelor's of Arts in Music from Florida State University in 2009 and a Master's in Music and Jazz Studies in the spring of 2016. And, you know, currently, he's a director of jazz studies and the director of the FGCU basketball band at Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. In 2018, Brandon was nominated for an Emmy Award for Best Documentary for Educational Collegiate Programs featuring the FGCU Jazz Ensemble. You got to go back and check that out. He's a prominent band leader. He's taking his band to multiple national tours, headlining. I mean, he's all over the country and, and he's known globally. I mean, just look at this, some of the names he played with. Um, the world's famous Count Basie Orchestra led by Scotty Barnhart. I don't think we need to say any more after that, but <laughs> the names some more. Vocalist Carmen Bradford, Jason Marcellus, Marcus Roberts, Marty Morrell, Wyclef Gordon, the name keeps going on. So um, before we get to it, oh, do you have his music? Did you know he had music? I think he may be able to show you his music because he just recently released a debut album called Based on a True Story in the fall of 2019, which reached all the way to number 16 on the iTunes Top 200 release. Look at that beautiful artwork on that. So without any further delay, Professor, the stage is all yours. Oh, man, my dear friend, my brother, 
my brother from another mother. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. I'm always humbled and gracious for for all of the 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 honorable mentions that you that you displayed to everyone. So thank you very much. And of course, thank you to the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation. I love you guys dearly. We have grown to create a beautiful partnership. I like that we can continue this partnership. And of course, our main purpose on both ends is to educate the next generation in jazz. So let's jump right into it, everyone. Uh, for those of you who missed last week's session, it, it, it will be archived in the studio later on, and you'll be able to go back and watch that segment. And just to give you a brief synopsis of what I had covered, I've talked about 2-5-1 progressions. Now, in jazz, it's usually you will see a minor 2 chord move into a dominant 5 chord, and it usually resolves to some type of 1 chord, okay, whether it's major or minor, depending on the key signature. Now, or or not necessarily, or key signature and also whatever how how the harmony is moving. Okay, so we cover just the very basics, what they are, what is a two five, how it functions, and then I gave some examples of tunes that you will be able to hear that system move the way it should. And for instance, I mentioned Central Park West by John Coltrane, which is pretty much centered all around two five ones, and then. Um, Clifford Brown's Joy Spring as well. You hear a lot of, pretty much that whole tune is centered and moving around a sequence of two five ones. So these are just examples that I gave and just how to hear and understand them. Now, the second part, this is what we're gonna cover today. You know how to transcribe, you would know how to listen, and you would know how, how to um, take the information that you're learning and then you start to apply that on tunes that you're learning. So you're learning just basic standards, you know, all the things you are, autumn leaves, satin all, et cetera. I'm just naming the very basic, basic standards. Now, there's usually a disconnect when someone says to a young player, uh, play the language, you need to play the changes. And most of the time, this is not all the time, this is not all the case, but I would say about 30% of the time, some of that reference is that two, five, one progressions that are occurring within the tune. Now, for the younger players, the key thing is to understand that there are two things happening within the tune. You have functional harmony, and then you have the actual key center of the tune itself, the key signature, what the tune is in. So whether it can be in a minor or in its relative major, that's per se of the composer. But you have the functional harmony within that key center, which is the, which is the chord progressions and how those chord progressions are moving. So in order for you, the player, to understand how the tune is functioning and how it's moving, you need to hear what the key center is, right? So. If I play, uh, if I play something to this degree, uh, let's see here. You have uh, in that moment, that's the first uh, chords, first four chord progressions for all, uh, all the things you are. Now there was a two five one that resolved to a key center to a flat. Okay. Even though a lot of people will be like, well, it's an F minor. Well, 
if you think about the very last chord that it resolves on, it resolves on this relative major, the A flat. And so understanding this as a young player, those two, five, one help you navigate through the tune and helps you hear the points of resolution and the key centers within the key signature. So for instance, if I have a two, if I'm, in, if I'm talking about autumn leaves, for instance, uh, not autumn leaves, excuse me, all the things you are. I started on the minor six, so I'm starting on an F minor. Then I move to a B flat minor, to an E flat seven that resolves to an A flat major. So that B flat minor is a minor two, that E flat seven is a dominant five, that A flat major is, a, is the one. That is one key center, right? Then it moves to a four, it's a fourth apart, goes to a D flat chord, then it does another two five sequence to C major. Now at this point, it's resolving on the major third of the key signature. So this is so this is the disconnect that a lot of young musicians sometimes don't pay attention to. They'll see that two five and oh, I'll just play do 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 do. Wait a minute, you gotta understand this is a key center here. This is a functional harmony that is being implied. So now we're, instead of us just playing A flat, we're taking another key center, which is that's two, five, one to C major, and we're implying it into the tune. So when you're soloing, you want to make sure you are outlining that two, five, one language correctly so that when you resolve it, you can hear the resolution of that key center. And so a lot of times when I have my students soloing, I tell them, I say, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to play the I want you to play the tri the triad of the of the minor two. And then I want you to start on the third of the five and go up every other note, every other note from there until you go to the nine. And so when I have them do this, what their ear is hearing is the continuance of that of that of those chords of that phrase of that of that harmony and so when they resolve it they resolve it on the fifth of the one chord now functionally they can hear the resolution so when they start the solo now they're they're imp whatever they're improvising it's starting to make sense harmonically because now they're functionally they're they're, they're 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 implying the correct functioning notes in the harmony to to outline that two five one progression. So this is something that is very important for a young player to know. So number one, when you're studying two five one language, it's best that you practice them on the piano. Now, as I just demonstrated earlier, I kind of just played through a sequence. I make all of my bass students play through the circle of fifths, going through two five ones so if i start on uh a two five one to f oops uh i'm uh, sorry then i can go up and do another two five oops uh, i'm sorry uh resolving on e flat then you have this 
So I make all of my bass students go through those two five sequence so their ear can hear the resolutions. A lot of the times your ear can't hear the resolution from the five to one. Okay, and always know that the third in that five chord is the leading tone, all right? So a lot of times, a lot of my students forget that when they're improvising, and I'm like, guys, there's, there's two important notes that you really need to make sure that you hit correctly, and it's that third and the seventh, all right? If you have a minor, a minor seventh and a dominant seventh, you need to imply a flat seventh. Not a major seven. If it don't indicate that in the chord, do not play that. If you see on the minor two chord that you have a minor third, but when you go to a dominant chord, you have a major third. Also, again, in classic in basic theory, in terms of how points of resolution, that third, that major third, is your leading tone to resolving to whatever that one is. It leads up, okay? If any any resolution you hear it as okay, so it's very important when you're playing a two five one There are certain notes that you have to play correctly You can't just blow through them because what happens is you can actually change the functioning of that harmony You might end up not resolving it correctly And now you have suspended one note that might turn it into a sus chord because you don't have that third that that you've resolved or you've never played it. So now it changes the functioning of that harmony. So it's very important when you're soloing and you're trying to learn how to improvise through those changes, take your time, okay? Sit at the piano, play the chord first so you can hear it, all right? And practice moving through the circle of fifths, moving through that sequence. And once you get a grasp of it, then at that point, now this is implied to all instrumentalists, at that point, well, with the exception of piano, because that's your default instrument, but everybody else. At that point, then pick up your instrument, put on a metronome. I would say put it on at maybe 65, 70 BPM, slow. You want to start slow. Because you, the one important thing is the faster you play in two fives, if it sounds sloppy, it sounds like versus So if you don't practice articulating your rhythm, but then also making sure that whatever notes you are functioning, trying to outline are correct, then you won't get your point across. All right. So one other thing or two other points too. All right? there's, there's two other points. Another thing about two five one progressions is a lot of our old standards are centered around these two five ones they kind of help keep the tunes together they keep the, the the actual functioning of the song together and so knowing about functional harmony versus like chord 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 and so when you're improvising let's say if you have one measure where you have Two five one two fives that are moving fast. So if it goes sort of like uh so how it's moving in 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 pairs. And so if you hear it like that, I always tell my students to improvise, outline the first triad, but then when you get to the five, you either come backwards which will be three two one or 
three, five, seven. You keep going. However you hear it, and then when you resolve it, you can keep going again. So a lot of the times when you see two fives that are kind of what I like to call compressed into a measure, I have to look at, well, what's the next two measures coming up afterwards? So I know how to functionally resolve my my, my phrasing. Because you don't want to sound like do ba 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 versus do ba 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 do so what you did was you outlined the first two five, but then you continued your phrasing, which now you're implying functional harmony over a next pair of two fives to resolve it correctly. That's how I actually learned how to improvise when I was in college. And I had, I had a great saxophone teacher that would make us do that. He would make us sing the intervals. You know how, you know how devastating that was to do at a very young player? who's just starting to learn how to play jazz and your teacher's asking you to try to sing out these two fives. But then what happened was, as a bass player, my ear would catch if the two fives sounded off and I can fix it in real time. I can adjust real quickly because my 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 vocalist is very, very attuned to what's happening. Like I can hum it and I can hear it. I could feel it, I could feel that note, and then I know how to fix it. So that was a very great training that my teacher taught me. So one thing that I would encourage young players to do is sit at the, play, at the piano and you know play out the triad. So if I, I'll just say uh, a two five to B flat. So one, three, five. Yeah. One, three, five, seven. And then you go to the five, you know, and then you have three, two, one, seven. And then here's the B flat, three. Now I'm off right now, my voice is, I've had my coffee this morning, folks, please forgive me. But <clears throat> practicing this will help your ear. It'll help it for horn players. You'll be able to kind of attune that note through your chest voice and you know through that air and hear it be able to hear it and feel it so every time you play it you can feel that vibration of what that note feels like in tune and and just as on bass if you play a note out of tune you can feel the vibration of that note out of tune you can feel that so practicing these little exercises would not only kind of bring in and bridge the connection between how a two five moves but if you're playing it at a, at a more faster tempo then you won't you won't slow down or, or get distracted by the fact that, oh my God, there's a lot of core, 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 versus outlining the two five and then trying to continue the phrase. And that's how most great horn players approach it. I always think about when I listen to uh, Charlie Parker playing uh, Blues for Alice. And, you know, during the bridge, there's, it's one, two, five, and then it goes to one chord. And then it goes down a whole step, two, five, one. So it does the same thing, but the way how he outlines outlines that phrase, he's just continuing the line. He's not actually do ba 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 do He's not doing that. So I had to learn how to continue the phrase. So if for those of you who are trying to figure out, well, how do I connect my two fives better to 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 let. To, to understand that the harmony will will continue. Don't resolve on the root. So when you're playing the first uh, 
minor two, when you get to the dominant five, start on the third and either keep going three, five, seven, or three, two, one, or go back down. So whichever way you go, you're either going to resolve on the third of that one chord or the fifth of that one chord. If you're going, if you're ascending, you're going to resolve on the fifth. If you're descending, you're going to resolve on the third. So just understanding how to resolve a two five and how to get in and out of the sequence will really dictate uh, the harmony a lot clearer and it will be a lot easier for you to facilitate facilitate through the changes without getting you know lost or in the space so yeah that would conclude my my my, uh, my, my portion of the two five one because it's, it's 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 a lot more in depth there's a lot more to it but that's just the very basic to get you started and it would be very helpful for everybody to listen listen to a lot of records there's you will catch the more you listen you'll start to understand how two fives function so when you play it and you'll you'll hear how other jazz musicians approach it it'll be a lot easier to your ear awesome awesome so i noticed you mentioned doing a lot of singing listening playing it out on the piano and taking your time so how much time would you say it would take the average, um, maybe let's say middle school, high school level, you know, um, what could they do uh, to just start off with the basics, basics? Like who could they listen to that they wouldn't get lost uh, in trying to figure this out? Or is there a resource? Um, I know we have Ira Pro and, all these things like that, what would be a good resource for them to pick up to say, I want to see it and hear it at the same time? Or what would be a good artist that could simplify it? Because I know you said, you know, we talked about Charlie Parker, we talked about all these different musicians. Um, they may get lost in hearing some of that. Like you listen to Dizzy, you're not going to really home in on some of this as quickly. I always, you know, it's funny. That's a great question because it's it's a reason why band directors and you know our 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 elders, you know, who you know, we uh we we respect dearly. They always refer us to Miles Davis, kind of blue, and there's a reason. There's a reason why a record like that is so profound for a young musician to know because that is probably the easiest recording to hear harmony in its simplest form right so you take a tune like so what which is very ambiguous in a sense because it's only just two dorian chords you know and you take a tune like flamenco sketches which is super open but then you take the simplicity of how he plays freddie freeloader you know but then you take the the really openness and the beautifulness of the Ballad of Blue and Green. So there's like these collection of variety of styles that Miles was able to encompass from the earlier years to up until 1959. So I always say to answer your question, I would always refer a middle school student and a beginning high school student to Kind of Blue because that was, I was in ninth grade 
when I first got introduced to that record. And up until that point, I had I, my grandparents played jazz in my household, but it was it was you know Jackie McLean and it was you know Louis, uh, Ramsey Lewis and it was uh, Count Basie and you know Dad. It was like things that were like big band stuff and you know uh, uh, they they were really in the sunny and you know so it was just things that were kind of over my head that I'm like man this is this is jazz this is, this is crazy, but then I heard kind of blue and I was like. Oh, and it was the first time hearing a bass player like just play something real simple where I can actually hear what he's doing. I can hear what Paul Chambers was playing. So to answer your question, I will always refer a student to that to that recording. Now, in terms of resources, there is iReal Pro for a student, uh, like a middle school student to just start on and, you know, have a backtrack playing where they can just practice because you can slow down the tempo. You can transpose the key. They can act, they can actually put the changes in their transposed instrument. So they have an E flat ch uh, chart, they have B flat charts, they have concert charts, C charts. Um, you can also change the, the key signature of the chart itself. So if you wanna play it in a different key. So that's, that is a good resource for, for someone at that level to start with. Um, I would say high school, maybe Jamie Abersall, uh, only because the Jamie Abersall actually has the changes written out at the bottom. They have the backtracks, um, you know, they have the melody, the correct melodies written out. So um, just giving them proper introductions. Uh, there's another website called Learning Jazz, LearnJazzStandards.com that I've used in the past. Um, it, it, it's a lot of tutorial videos on just, you know, how to start, you know, improvising, how to start listening, uh, how to how to understand basic triads and what is a chord, what are the chord symbols. It, it goes through different tutorial videos like that. So that's called uh, LearnJazzStandards.com. So those are some of the, yeah. I hope everybody took a lot of notes. You, you dropped websites, apps, albums, you name it. You put it all out there today. And I, I love the fact that we archive this because, you know, you named out the notes of the chords and things like that. And mm. it's going to take time. And I just want to remind everybody, this is not an overnight process. But if you do spend the quality time, it's going to pay off greatly. For your sure. Improvisation. And I think musicians can hear if you're putting in that due diligence to know these chord structures and know the ins and outs of it, it, it clearly shows. So yeah. we want to thank you, Professor, for another awesome session. Yeah. I mean, what can we say? I mean, it's it's been awesome, awesome, awesome. You always dropping some great knowledge. We know that we can see you out in the community playing. We see you on major stages. I mean, you name it, you're out there doing it and uh, you're here educating and helping us out here at Clearwater Jazz. So we want to remind everybody that, you know, if you have any feedback, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at info at clearwaterjazz.com. And um, also check out the past sessions, clearwaterjazz.com slash education. And we're going to see you on the next one, guys. Just keep telling everybody about the great things you're hearing here and um, keep on swinging. Have a keep good one. Keep on swinging. Have a good one, everybody. I'll talk to y'all later. All right, bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.